This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I'm trying to get our players to listen to me. Instead of listening to you guys. Mackie and Judd. It's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison. On 1500 ESPN. Coffee spinning. Double clutch. Does it go? From his backside he hits. Are you kidding? Give them credit. I thought they made big plays when they needed to. Uh, we did not. That's a really, really good team. So uh, as, as difficult as it is to, to lose at home, We'll learn from it. We'll get better. It's not even December 1st yet. One thing I forgot to ask Myron Medcalf when he joined us last hour, because he watches the the entire landscape of college basketball more than we do. Jordan Murphy and Reggie Lynch, just with the eye test, mm-hmm. they look like they can play with any front court in the country. Don't they? Those guys look like they could sit there. I yes. mean, Duke is ridiculous, but, yeah, and but Kentucky is. always has like a Carl Anthony Towns or somebody. Yep. But they're experienced. They can both block shots. They rebound. Mm-hmm. It feels like those two guys you can match up with almost any team in the in the country. And Lynch had what one foul? We said last night. That to me is the most important thing because you're going to have to keep him in games. And last year you couldn't. Last year it was game after game of well, you know he's gone again now at this point in time. So if you can keep both those guys in games, especially Lynch. I mean, Lynch had a foul last night, and and what did I say before? He blocked seven shots. Mm-hmm. So if you can alter things that much, that's huge for you. Uh, another thing, too, just with the dominance the ACC has shown over the Big Ten, it's it's pretty embarrassing. I think the ACC almost always wins the ACC Big Ten Challenge, but Is in recent years... Two wins for the Big Ten so far, is that right? Ever? No, no, no. Oh. This year. They played most of the two. games. Nine and two. Nine and yeah. two. Yeah. And then, so there's a few more games tonight, right? Uh, Notre Dame, Michigan State yes. tonight. But it's pretty obvious, pretty evident. The Big Ten is down this year. Michigan State belongs among the national powers for sure. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out more about them tonight. Uh, Purdue is always pretty competitive. And Matt Painter's a great coach. And they're 13th in the Ken Palm ratings. But other than that, in Minnesota's twenty sixth in the Ken Palm. Ken Palm doesn't like the Gophers as much as like the the the, the Associated Press rankings. The Badgers are really young. I know that. Yeah, Wisconsin. Th- in fact, the 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 Big Ten only has three teams in the top thirty wow. of the Ken Palm rankings. Wisconsin would be the fourth team, sitting at thirty two, and then Maryland's thirty six, and Penn State's thirty nine. Northwestern's in there somewhere too, in the uh-huh. like top forty or fifty. But my point is. You've got your best collection of talent you've had in 20 years. No debate. I know they've had some NBA players like Chris Humphreys 12 years ago and uh, Joel Prisbilla, but as far as entire collection of talent, this is the best since the Final Four team. 
And the Big Ten is as weak as it's been with Wisconsin being down in a long time, right? Indiana is not the powerhouse that they've been at times. This is a perfect marriage of Big Ten down and best roster you've had in 20 years. There's really no excuses at all, considering where you were two years ago. That's amazing that you should finish top three in the conference now. The buzzkill to me is Curry being hurt. Because Curry being hurt uh, takes a huge whack at your depth, which now becomes... And I think you can win non-conference games for sure. And conference games, I think I think you can still win with your collection. When you get to the tournament, it's going to get tougher there. Uh, but the one thing I have no doubt on is I will be very surprised in a, a month and a half or two months if if Washington has not improved greatly. Yeah. Like I saw, I felt like last night you wanted to go down there and be like, hey, kid, just slow down. But it wasn't that you didn't see the talent last night. You saw glimpses of the talent, but he was just going at hyperspeed the entire time. The trade-off is this, as we talked about before, that's an incredibly valuable experience for him to play in that game, on that stage. And while he didn't do fantastic, he showed you enough to say it's not like he loafed at all. He tries really hard. In fact, he plays too quickly. But I think the buzzkill to me is the depth. The good thing is is this kid, I think, in a couple months is going to be really good. Yeah, Myron nailed it when... When more experienced or under control players realize that they're cold, they don't just selfishly try to shoot their way out of it. Instead, they maybe distribute or they do other things on the court or go get some rebounds. And he just kept firing. I couldn't believe when I looked at the box score after the first half. And if you would have asked me, okay, who shot who shot the most for the Gophers in the first half? Just eye test. I would have said, well, probably Nate Mason and then Jordan Murphy. Yeah, I probably said coffee at the time. Yeah, or, or coffee. Yeah, no, Isaiah Washington oh, yeah, he had was ten just shots. He was firing. one for ten. Yes, and he and he clanked a couple threes, but then in the second half he did he got to the hole a couple times and and he wound up sort of redeeming a little bit near the end of that game, but overall, I think he's super talented and just gets a little bit too caught up in ego things like being flashy or. Well, I'm one for ten, and I'm still conf- I'm a confident guy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself out of this. He needs to channel that energy a little bit differently. Yes, and the uh, so he his uh, stats so far first seven games two for twenty four on threes. He is at uh, thirteen in, in a row missed now. Yeah, he so, should, yes. he shouldn't take those shots. Yeah, then. and and that just, was Dupree McBrayer his first season sure. too. And just slow down. Like if you just slow down, and and that's why I, I was surprised late in the game that that he was still bringing the ball up the court. Because to me, Mason would have been much calmer and cooler. And it's not that Washington's not a threat, and it's not that he's not good, but when but it's clear he is seeing the game at at hyperspeed now. And when you watch an experienced point guard, they see the game just slow down for them, and that will come eventually. But it's not there yet. Yeah. In fact, just I just pulled up the box score again. So Isaiah Washington played the fifth most minutes. And took four more shots than the next, than the than the second player shot attempts. Amir Coffey and Nate Mason both took thirteen. Isaiah Washington took seventeen shots in twenty seven minutes last night. Oh yeah, and I love the fearlessness. I love the aggressiveness. I don't want that to go away. By the way, six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. If you have thoughts on the Gopher basketball game last night or the state of the Gopher program, but dude. You, there are so many good players on this team. If you're doing a pecking order any given night of guys who should take more shots than Isaiah Washington, 
Nate Mason, Amir Coffey, and Jordan Murphy, always. Mm-hmm. Dupree McBrayer when he's healthy and when he's playing, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. But Washington, he can dribble enough and he can do enough things. He should be able to get you a bunch of assists and be that energizer bunny. Um, it's just a matter of, I mean, the guys played, time. The guys played what, eight? Yeah, they're seven and one, so eight yeah. games on the season. Yeah, exactly. But gonna... I don't want to rip the guy because I I love I don't I don't want to like no. But you could but but you could see what the problem was, and the problem was to him the game is going at a speed now that that a senior or a junior wouldn't see the game at. That player would see the game much slower. Yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five. We'll get to Winter Park and talk to Matthew Collar here in just a little bit. What's up, Steve? You're on the show. Hey, guys, it looks like the two bigs have matured a little bit. Certainly Murphy, when it comes to putting it on the floor, you know, creating his own shot that way as opposed to being back to the basket. I think the issue come tournament time, and they're obviously going to make the tournament, is going to be depth coming against, you know, really high-end teams. One team you don't have to worry about in the Big Ten, unfortunately, because of their guard play, is going to be Iowa. Mm. they got a lot of good bigs. they got Tyler Cook. Bohannon can flat-out shoot, shoot as good as anyone in the Big Ten. But they have, they've got no help for him. You know, actually, he's, really a two. He, he's not a he's not a point. He's a, he's a shooting guard. He's playing forced to play point, and Fran just hasn't recruited a point guard. You know, it's a bit of a different timeline, Steve. But Fran McCaffrey was his first two years at Iowa. This is like seven or eight years ago now. Were were pro, the first year for sure was atrocious. I think they only won like a small handful of conference games that year. And I don't know what the vibe was, if people were mad to, oh, he's, you know, get Fran McCaffrey out of here. But patience no, pays off, all. and all of a sudden they roll off a bunch of 20-win seasons, and they were ranked in the top 10 at one point. And, uh, and I think it's kind of a similar thing where people were mad about Richard Pitino and how can you only win two or three conference games. And if you just let someone do the work and bring in players that they want, it works out. It worked out for Iowa. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've won maybe, he's only won maybe one NCAA tournament game. And again, they've got two freshmen. They, they, they got this Nunchy kid who was Indiana. He got, he got runner up for a player of the year in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But so they got 6'9 through 6'11. They got about seven or eight guys. However, you know, guard play, his son, who has, has had mono, he may end up playing. He's really a baseball player. He may end up playing as a freshman. And he's a good distributor, but he can't break anyone off the dribble. Yeah. I got to tell you, I was really impressed with Miami's guards last night. Dude, they wow. were, they were re- yeah. insane, and they're all pulling up from fifteen feet, cold blooded. And some my, of the shots Myron they were said, knocking down said that that, that they that, hadn't shot threes. I was, I'm shocked by that because they looked as comfortable as you could be shooting threes. Yeah, and the and the one guy had you know the, the hairdo similar to to, to Lynch, and, and and so he he was competing <laughs> on that level. But that, the one guy that pulled up reminded me of Arenas who used to play for the Wizards when Flip had him. He'd pull up inside the free throw line and just look smoother than all get out. Yeah, wow. was it that Chris Likes hit a couple dagger shots late in the game and He's he was five foot eight ridiculous? Too. Yeah, thank you for the phone call, Little Steve. Guy. Um, so I mean, it's disappointing they lost that game because they had chances and they didn't play particularly well at times. But that that game has me feeling better about go for basketball after a loss than I have for well, a long time. It's disappointing, yes, but. When you consider where this program has come, when you consider that that game last night, how long has it been since there was that much excitement about a home non-conference game in this town for that program? It's been ages. It has been a long time. The last comparable game, I think, to that one was the Indiana game when when, uh, Tubby upset Indiana back a a few years ago, right Mm -hmm. before he got fired in the year that they got off to the good start. But the last time that I remember that type of, of excitement for a gopher 
men's basketball non-conference game was probably Clem, and it was probably around, what, 2000? Or no, 98, 99. So it's disappointing, but the fact that this program is relevant and fun again is enormous to me. Let's come back and talk some more Vikings here. Get Matthew Collar in from uh, Winter Park and the Purple Podcast and 15hardyspn.com. Let's roll up our sleeves and dive into the meat and potatoes and talk about one of the unsung heroes of this Vikings offense in 2017, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Show me what you got. On 1500 ESPN. We're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I'm not looking to pull him, but, uh, you know, every week's a different week in this league. I'm not looking to pull him, Matthew Collar, from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com, but Teddy has his helmet on and is standing on the white stripe of the sideline. But I'm not looking to pull Case Keenum. That's fine. <laughs> uh, no, no, not looking to uh, pull Case Keenum after uh, being named the Offensive Player of the Month. Naturally, that would look a little bit peculiar if that happened. But, you know, i got to say, uh, I think Mike Zimmer is handing, handling this perfectly. I mean, we criticized him over the offseason and last year about how he handled certain situations, but I think that he's handled this one really well. He knows that his two quarterbacks are not going to get their feelings hurt uh, by uh, not naming Case Keenum the official starter for the rest of the time. He knows Case can handle that just okay because that's been his life in the NFL. And he also knows that by not locking himself into Case Keenum, if things fall apart over these next two games, then he can go back to Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think that he's done exactly the right thing, and maybe Mike Zimmer believes in regression to the mean. It might never happen, but it also <laughs> might, considering the sample size we have on Case Keenum. So if he falls apart, then it looks like, well, Zimmer knew what he was talking about all along. In your mind, Collar, uh, do the Falcons surpass the Rams as the toughest test uh, for this team in 2017? I certainly think so, and I also think that part of that is going on the road to play Atlanta. The way that they've played these last three games has really been something. They've gone back to a lot of the concepts they used when Kyle Shanahan was there. Their defense is really flying. I mean, they've got a, a much better pass rush this year than they did last year. Uh, Tack McKinley, the guy they drafted in the first round, is starting to come along, and uh, Claiborne had six sacks in one game against Dallas, and uh, Vic Beasley has uh, had a little bit of a down year, but last year he had 15 and a half sacks, and Beasley's likely going to be going up against Rashad Hill because uh, Mike Remmers is not practicing today. So that, that could offer a big challenge just from the defensive line and the amount of pressure that they could put on the quarterback. And they also, I mean, they, they rush from the outsides, and they try to force quarterbacks to step up in the pocket where they have two very good defensive tackles getting a push up the middle. And uh, the other thing, too, is that, their defense is fast and skilled in the secondary, and they like to play uh, you know, the, the, a lot of zone defense there, which could you know, make Case Keenum think he's got windows to throw in that he actually doesn't because their linebackers and safeties are so quick. So I think just from a defensive standpoint, which might be surprising because we only think of Atlanta for offense, but from a defensive standpoint, they're pretty tough. And then on offense, you know, I mean, it's Matt Ryan, and he's going to have Devontae Freeman back. So that's going to be a huge challenge as well. Uh, Matthew Collar has a story on 1500ESPN.com. It's the featured story right now about changes at center. If you want to go meat and potatoes, changes at center for both the Falcons and the Vikings, uh, helping them bounce back from uh, various collapses. What When you watch Pat Elfline, third-round pick, I mean, that he not that Stefan Diggs was all about sprinting on this play, but last week he's going step for step down the field, 40 yards with Stefan Diggs. He's mobile. 
Uh, looks like he's holding up just with the eye test on a week-by-week basis. When you see Pat Elfline in his rookie year, what what do you see on the field, Matthew? I mean, I, I see a guy who's going to be with the franchise for a decade, I think. I mean, just a, a major difference maker. With his ability to get out there on the screens, you notice him the most because there are very few centers that you will see running uh, right alongside a wide receiver after a screen play 30 yards down the field. Uh, but I, I think it's been everything, the entire body of work. The, the players that he's had to face in the middle, the, the beastly defensive linemen that the Vikings have gone up against this year and how well he's handled them, the obvious improvements in the run game. You know, it hasn't always been perfect. And if you look up his pro football focus grade, you'd say, well, I guess he hasn't been that great. But I, I don't see it that way at all. I think that there have been times where he's been beat by powerful rushers or powerful nose tackles. But the majority of the big plays that they've created, especially in the run game, I mean, right now they're third in the NFL in explosive runs over 20 yards. I mean, I think a lot of that has come up the middle with Elfline playing a big role. And we saw it last week. The Vikings last week gained 70 yards on throws that they that didn't even pass the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, how often do you see that? And one of those, Elfline is running out into the second level uh, on a screen pass where he actually threw the nose tackle to the ground first and then still got out there in front of uh, Jarek McKinnon on a screen. So I think it's, it's been really everything. And then the fact that he came from a big program in Ohio State where he was the Remington Award winner for the best center in the country, and he's basically stepped into the NFL, and, and it hasn't looked like he's been a rookie during any game. I mean, there have been better ones or worse ones, but I, I think at every point during this season – He's looked like a veteran player, and that's just a huge upgrade in the middle of the line from what you had last year. So I saw a PFF breakdown this week, Collar, that basically insinuated the Vikings line since the bye week has not been great, and the grades themselves weren't fantastic. Help me out here. Do I have blinders on because they were so bad last year? Is PFF somehow, you know, not right here? Because it seems to me that I would call these guys incredibly consistent and and a huge step up. Is there there something I'm not seeing, though? Well, I think last week uh, maybe was a good example of how this line uh, can operate at times, which was the biggest plays they created in that game outside of the Kyle Rudolph touchdown pass were all because of the offensive line. I mean, the, the huge run from Latavius Murray, the screen pass to Stephon Diggs, the screen pass to uh, Jared McKinnon, those are the three biggest plays of the game, and they were all created by the offensive line being mobile and quick or, or physical on the Murray run. But there were times where they got beat and Case Keenum had to escape pressure, and uh, Rashad Hill, I think, had his worst game as an NFL player, uh, a few times just getting clearly beat around the edge, so... It's obvious that uh, his matchups, the players are starting to figure out what he does, and he's going to have to adjust there. So I think that that's been a, somewhat of a part of it. Mike Remmers was their highest graded from PFF lineman, and, and he's been out. Uh, but, I, but I think that uh, you know, there's times where they've been up in games and they're getting beat for you know, two-yard runs or whatever and things like that where they're just trying to kill the clock. They were doing that uh, a lot last week. But you know, I, I think more than anything, it's what they can do well has resulted in great things, and their shortcomings have not hurt them that much. So Nick Easton, for example, will get blasted by a great three-technique uh, uh, defensive tackle, and he'll get a pressure on the quarterback. Well, pro football focus is going to grade that pretty harshly, but at other times, Nick Easton is flying out and hitting a safety and creating a big play. So I think there's a little bit of you take the strikeouts with the home runs with this offensive line. I I don't think any of us look at this offensive line as, oh, yeah, this is the Dallas Cowboys from 1993. They're not that dominant. 
but what they do well is really, really key to this offense. Uh, Going to give you four quarterbacks here that all either are available after the season or very likely will be available. And if you're a team looking for a quarterback, uh, can you rank these four quarterbacks for us? Ready? Okay. Eli Manning, Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, Case Keenum. <laughs> um, I think I might. Boy, that's tough. I, I think it might. I might take Eli Manning first, uh, and then maybe uh, Kirk Cousins after that, and then probably Alex Smith, and then Case Keenum. But you know, Alex Smith and Case Keenum might be very similar people. Uh, with with Eli Manning, I think he's just gotten a real short end of the stick over the last uh, couple of years. Um, you know, Odell Beckham is very, very good, but their offensive line has been atrocious. This year, Beckham gets hurt early on, taking away his only real great weapon, and then uh, their other good receiver got hurt too, and their offensive line has been a joke. They've had no running game. I mean, I think we've seen a number of quarterbacks, including Eli's brother, uh, go into their later 30s and still be extremely effective, but they've got to have the right things around them. And right now, Eli Manning has it pretty much as bad as you could possibly have uh, around him. So I, I think that he probably has the highest ceiling of, of any of those quarterbacks. That's the guy that I would pick. I think Kirk Cousins is kind of like Case Keenum-esque in, in how much he's benefited from his circumstances too. So I, I would always go with the guy that's the most talented. Yeah. Just kind of a, there's going to be a lot of guys out there available and some interesting teams like Denver and Jacksonville and the Vikings don't have anyone under contract either. So they'll have to figure that out, but should be kind of a fun off season for a quarterback carousel. Matthew Collar at winter park, find his stuff on 1500ESPN.com and the purple podcast. All right, dude, we'll see you uh, this weekend. Bye collar. All right. Thanks guys. Matthew Collar, C O L L E R. Grinding to follow film him on, on Twitter. Doing nothing but grinding offensive line film. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about uh, our guy Herm Edwards, friend of the station for a number of years, a fixture in the afternoons? Yes. Reportedly going to be the Arizona State head coach. Isn't that. Uh, I, I, I love Herm, and I love that he's been a friend of this station, and his appearances with Patrick are awesome. He's 63 years old and has never been a head football coach in college. In college football, let alone a power five big time. The thing uh, I don't get about school. The thing I don't get about this is is the recruiting aspect. To me, that would be at that age, and you've been doing TV. I think if I said to myself, you know what, I'm tired of TV at that age with that that much cash, I'd be like, I'm just going to retire. Yeah, I don't think I would want to be going into going to kids' houses, eighteen year old kids, and be like, you should come play for me at Arizona State. I, I mean, don't know. I hope it works. Seems weird. I do wonder, he hasn't been an on-the-grind year-round head coach in 10 years since he was fired from the Chiefs in, like, 2008. I remember that. But he has done, what is it, the Under Armour game? Yeah, but, I mean, but that's, that's great. Like, you show up and you... I mean, he's yeah. he's great with, with the, the rah-rah stuff, but I'm saying the day-to-day, got to go recruit, we're going to go recruit, and now we're going to work on this, and now... And, and, oh, by the way, don't don't you dare violate these 8,000 rules, too, which you are going to have to learn because as a pro coach, it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, has Tennessee hired a football coach yet, or are they, still, are they going down their checklist still? Still looking, as far as I know. I just saw a tweet that the NC State coach, I believe, who they thought they were going to get last night, has also turned them down, and I'm not kidding. So I love how um, all these are super public, too. They just, they just move to the next guy, and then he rejects you. and then So they haven't even gone to T. Martin yet. So they've they've been rejected not. by Purdue, uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, NC State guy. 
Yeah. Um, well, Greg Schiano. So we're on at least public option number five with whoever I, whoever's door gets knocked down. I next. feel bad for our guy Chip. Yeah. I mean, I'll he really loves that team. Dave wants the job. I said Chip should get the job. Why him? Chip should get them to offer him the job, go back to the strip and get a huge raise. That's what Chip should do. <laughs> use use the school to get yourself a raise. Hey now. Everybody else hey now. does. Just use the athletic. <laughs> the what? I'm sorry, what? Huh? That's good stuff. Oh man. Dave, you got some questions for us? So I we can do. Move. I have three questions. Wolves, Vikings, and POTUS. Sounds good. You think you like football? Herm Edwards doesn't just really like football. He f- loves football. He is playing good football. The Packers are a good football team. I didn't, I'm not saying the Packers are not a good football team. Football! Football, yeah! yeah. Football! Football! Yeah. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I just associate it with dummies. Mackey and Judd. They think that they're you-know-what, don't stink, and they know everything. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Uh, announcement, show announcement. We have the album cover for volume three songs by the U-Log. It is done. It is done now. It oh, is done. I'm excited. It's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. The album cover oh. is done. Uh, we'll start releasing tracks. I don't know, a couple weeks. What you had the timing down? Was it the tenth? When are we going to start think releasing? We'll start two weeks before Christmas. So that would be the eleventh because Christmas is on a Monday. So that'll be perfect. We'll roll it up ten days. Nice. Uh, ten show days. It'll be great. Uh, you know, once December hits, which is tomorrow. Yes, it is. We can start mixing in some of these radio stations that go. A month of just Christmas music. We could start mixing in some of our previous songs by the U Log. Love to get in the holiday spirit. Spirit of the season, I like to say. Yeah. And it's going to be fantastic. The wife, big fan of that. Big fan. Last night, driving home from, from the basketball game, said, Let's turn on the Christmas channel. So I'd listen to Christmas music all the way home. You know, I think. And I said, It's oh, great. I, th- I thought you were saying she was a big fan of. Songs by the Yule She Log. is. Oh, she loves songs by the Yule oh, Log. Yeah. In fact, in an, an, came on, in an honest happy. moment last winter, uh, Don told me that she's never been more proud of Judd than uh, one of the songs that I can't remember what song it was. Like, the Wiggins song, probably. Wiggins and song, so yeah. This is Wiggins. <laughs> and so what good. have you done? It's weird. My wife said that to me when she saw the Ric Flair video. Woo! <laughs> 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 All right. Questions. This was uh, Mike Zimmer yesterday talking about Case Keenum. We've played it a couple times. We're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I mean,. I'm not looking to pull him, but, uh, you know, every week's a different week in this league. One week at a time, not looking to pull him. (laughs) Love the quote. So, boys, based on what your current expectations are of what's going to happen Sunday, Vikings versus Falcons in Atlanta, when Zimmer gets the question on Wednesday about his quarterback, what will his answer be? I'm going to, you know what, boys? I'm sticking with my prediction. I'm sticking with it. That he's going to play in the Atlanta game. Teddy Bridgewater will play in this game. Oh. He will play in this game. And the answer on Wednesday will be, we made the change because we just thought it was time to see what Teddy could do, and he is our quarterback. So, you know what? I've been saying for a month now, right, Phil? 
a month and a half. Yeah, you did. That Bridgewater this, yeah. was going to play in this game, so I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going to say the answer on Wednesday will reflect something about Teddy Bridgewater much more so than Case Keenum. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's going to take more than just like a bad half, unless it's Probably a right, complete but... atrocious half. I think he's going to. I think Case Keenum for sure is starting the next two road games. I think he's going to start Atlanta. I think he's going to start Carolina, and then from there, we'll see what happens. Now that Cincinnati game at home, Cincinnati is going to be, I think, mathematically maybe not, but out of the playoff picture. I mean, almost everyone's still in the playoff picture in the AFC because someone's going to get in at like eight and eight. But. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the conversation is going to be the same exact thing next Wednesday when uh, Mike Zimmer takes the podium. Now, Falcons' defense against opposing quarterbacks this year, opposing quarterbacks have, failed, have, have uh, fared pretty well against the Falcons. They've only thrown three interceptions, which is amazing. Um, and uh, and they have around a 90 passer rating. So it's, a, it's like a league average passer rating against. They've been fine against the pass. They haven't been uh, amazing or anything, but... Um, yeah, so 13 touchdowns, three interceptions for opposing quarterbacks against the Falcons defense. I just, this doesn't feel like the Case Keenum blow up game. And at this point, unless he goes completely rogue, which again, like he has in the past, they're going to ride or die with him. That's my, my thought is unless, unless something crazy bad happens the next two weeks, they're in too far and there's not enough runway left for Bridgewater. They're riding or dying at this point in the season with Case Keenum and the narrative will continue next week. All right, yesterday was a lot of consternation, a lot of angst about the Timberwolves. Not so much today because you guys were focused on results rather than process. I get that. Anthony Davis is tossed, but hey, the Wolves win, so everything's happy, everything's wonderful. But let's go back to yesterday when everything was horrible with you guys and everything was coming apart at the seams. The team's only 12-9. and Oh, no! I'm making you czar of the Wolves right now. You can make one change, roster, coach, front office, arena, whatever you want. You can make one change, only one change, and you have to stick with it and ride it out for the rest of the year. What do you do? Like, can my change be that I would trade Andrew Wiggins for Kyrie Irving? Let's let's make it something a little bit realistic. Because, okay. I, I mean, I would like there to be, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, the change I would make is they, they need someone more consistent shooting threes. So that would be something. I don't know where you'd get that. But if you could tweak something that's just happening with the roster right now, I think I might make Tyus Jones more active with the starters, even when Jeff Teague is back and healthy. I don't think you can just make the switch of Tyus Jones starting with this unit and Teague coming off the bench. Because now you're talking about a Jeff Teague, Jamal Crawford backcourt, and boy, I. but I think if you're sprinkling in bench players and you're giving Tyus Jones a bunch of minutes, maybe Tyus gets... I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, Teague plays twenty five minutes and Tyus gets the other twenty three or something, and and maybe they play together for a few minutes to to get him even more minutes. But I want of those twenty to twenty five minutes that Tyus Jones could play, I want at least a quarter's worth with key starting players, if not more, because he gets the ball moving around. Look at his last couple games; he's been really good just getting ball movement and distributing, and he's. How many steals did he have a couple games ago? Like seven steals or something? Against Washington, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I I like the way Mm. Tyus Jones has developed, and I think when you have Carl Anthony Towns needing to touch the ball and Wiggins touching the ball and Butler's a a ball-centric player, Mm -hmm. and Teague tends to be ball-centric, Tyus Jones a little less ball-centric 
a little bit more unselfish in that regard, mm-hmm. I would mix in more Tyus Jones with the starters, even with Teague back. I'm going more off the charts here, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the next um, sort of extended break for these guys, four days or something, and I'm going to bring in Dr. Laura. And I'm going to get everybody to sit down, and I'm going to say, including tips, but he's not going to talk. He's not going to scream. In fact, he's going to sit down. And I'm going to say, what's the problem here? What what What's wrong? Why can't we communicate? Why is Tibbs yelling? And I would ask the players, what do you get from that? And it would be honest dialogue. And Dr. Laura would be confrontational as she is, but effective in relating how we can get along and how Tibbs' defensive teachings can work and what's not working there and how those things can be eliminated. I want to know why a seemingly talented group of basketball players seems to have such a problem relating to a coach who has had previous success. I want to get to the bottom of that, and I believe from that, from that, we can find success even with the current roster. That's what I would like to do. You have a therapy session. Yeah, I want to find I want to find out what the problem is here. I want to find out why the disconnect seems to be so wide at times. I think because the head coach just screams for two and, that's and a half what, hours. That's why he would he would remain quiet in the corner as we all talk this out. I don't therapy. Think stay quiet. Basketball therapy. Yeah, I think because I would the Timberwolves are up by seventeen points with two minutes to go, and the head coach is still screaming directions. Duck, as the opposing the team puts its bench players in. Duct tape, not results. Duct tape on his mouth would be the answer for me for that session. Then. <laughs> That's all you would hear. What would we hear? You'd hear. Okay, thank you. USA Today did some heavy reporting on the president's golf habits. Apparently last <laughs> week he played... Uh, Oh, a few times at Trump International, four times, in fact. Trump International in West Palm also made his way over to Trump National in Jupiter, Florida. Hmm. All these rounds are costing the Secret Service Agency a lot of money on golf cart rentals. Just those rounds alone, Secret Service paid almost $7,500 just to rent golf carts. So because all of them have to be on golf carts, right? Correct. And apparently they have some sort of contract set up with a company in Florida that provides the carts. Dating back to the inauguration, the Secret Service has spent at least $144,975 on golf cart rentals alone. I don't know if that means much of anything, but I just love the fact that we had to do that research and figure that number out. So they don't have their own golf carts. They're just like whatever the whatever the now I'm sure they're very nice golf carts. The best golf carts. Incredible golf carts. I don't understand why if you're playing at Trump courses, Trump just can't say, Hey, we need twenty golf carts here. Didn't the whatever. Didn't the Secret Service I thought I read months ago that they were basically going broke because of Trump. Correct. So, yes, the so large family, just, a lot of uh, residences. Yeah, they were already maxing out overtime and everything. So yeah. they just did that and then just moved on and didn't care? I think they were allotted more money by Congress or whatever. But anyway, right, anyway, but, anyway but, the yeah, question. Yeah, okay, Hillary's question, emails, okay. The question. If you were president <laughs> and you wanted to spend a god-awful amount of money doing whatever it is, other than running the country, <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> Oh, I'd be at sporting events all the time if I was president. I'd be I'd be gallivanting around. I'd be going to games, buying the best scorebooks, the greatest scorebooks. Yeah, Everyone score loves these pencils. So, you, fantastic. So, so basically, you would just always pull a Mike Pence, where you get yes. the, you get the jet warmed up, <laughs> but I wouldn't you leave show early. up for a few minutes of a Flyers. No, I'd stay for the Bruins whole. Game. No, I'd stay for the whole thing. <laughs> I'd be going up and down the East Coast on Saturday. I'd be at uh, Badgers Buckeyes. I'd probably fly to a game that night. Oh, I'd never run the country. 
It'd be fantastic. I'd be at everything. I'd be going to a ton of hockey, have season tickets to the Capitals. Would you still go to Benilde hockey games? Sure, why not? I mean, you and plus, it, it would be an entire entourage, so I wouldn't look as creepy because I'd have all my entourage buddies with me. No, I'd be fantastic. I'd love it. Kings games. I'd, I'd take in. A, I'd fly cross country, go to a Kings game. I'd go to Canada. I could afford anything. That's right. You know, I can't make fun of Judd too much because I would do pretty much the same thing except slightly tweaked. I would be front row sign guy at every WWE event that's televised. <laughs> on the on the camera side, right, where you could just be front and center, dressed up as whoever you want, and uh, holding signs. I would just be holding political signs, whatever my agenda is. Instead of, you know, Stone Cold 316, it would be uh, vote for my health care bill. Yeah. <laughs> Trump cares a winner. <laughs> So I can't I can't make fun of you too no, much. I would, be doing the same I would thing. abuse Air Force One and all of the Secret Service budget for just going to cage matches. Yeah, it'd be great. Hell <laughs> in a cell. In fact, I'd make Bernie Sanders and uh, Paul Ryan enter Hell in a Cell. Whoever comes out, your may your your ideas then be spread and throughout the country. You'd be really popular too. It'd be great. It'd work out perfect <laughs> for you. And and you know the Secret Service would probably have to blend in too, so they'd waste all their money on like John Cena T-shirts yep. and fake WWE belts <laughs> and everything like that. It'd <laughs> be outstanding. Exactly. You can't see me. Suplex City. <laughs> Brock Lesnar shirts. Um, Tiger Woods, one under par, gentlemen, through seven holes. You guys mock. He's in third place. I quit watching. Sorry. Out of like the 15 players who play in this tournament. Got to get that putter going. Yeah, he keeps... Uh, Did, he keeps didn't he have putts. a good start to day one of the same tournament last year? I thought he had a good start that day and then fell apart. Listen, in no need to overanalyze here, I think Judd. that's what happened No need year. to overanalyze. Sorry. Uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota is right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And they have brand new 2018 vehicles, Camrys, RAV4s, Corollas, all over the lot, ready for you to test drive, ready for you to check out... The brand new interior, which includes an 8-inch multimedia touchscreen with intuitive pinch and zoom navigation controls for a very familiar experience. Uh, integrating with what you're used to with your phone. The new Entune system, Entune 3.0, speaks to your style with a customizable home screen and standard Entune app suite with connected services. So you get access to Pandora or the Mackie and Judge show. Um, all kinds of you can you can you can book a reservation through Yelp for uh, a restaurant, whatever it is. All kinds of upgraded technology in these 2018 Camrys. Test drive one for yourself with my friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. Don't miss Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, and Katie Holmes in the high-octane comedy Logan Lucky, certified fresh by Rotten Tomatoes. Get the film critics are calling magnificent and fun from start to finish. Own Logan Lucky on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. And head to the 1500 ESPN stream player right now to win your very own Blu-ray combo pack of Logan Lucky. We're just going to keep going one week at a time. That's the way it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not looking to pull him, but... Uh, you know, every week's a different week in this league. We trust our process, and our process is coming in on Mondays, uh, reviewing the film, looking at what we did well, looking at what we didn't do well, uh, getting better. And, uh, you know, no matter what, uh, you know, the outcome may have been, no matter what the past, like I said, we're 
we're, you know, letting all that go because everything we want is right in front of us. Uh, Cheryl Reeve has responded to our poll here <laughs> on Twitter. Oh, did she? We did a, a 1500 ESPN Twitter nice. poll on the in, in the nine o'clock hour, and and well, the, the, we did a bunch of polls actually. One including Dave's lunch on his account and his bet with Reavers. Yes, patty melt or pesto grilled cheese, and you chose the grilled cheese. Yeah, patty melt won high, but uh, Reavers recommended it. So hey, yep. Popular vote doesn't always win. And then the other poll was uh, people wanted to know, uh, or we wanted to know, if people were more entertained by the prospects of Judd delivering hot wild takes on the show or reading sports updates from 6 to 9 and then us replaying them as part of his football punishment. Mm -hmm. And it was a 60-40, 60% people wanted you to do the updates, but you don't care about the people. That's fine. No, I really don't. In that case, I really don't. Uh, The other poll was which Minnesota coach would you most like to drink with? 6% Tom Thibodeau. 20% 20% Bruce Boudreaux, 24% Cheryl Reeve, and 50% Mike Zimmer. And Cheryl Reeve responds in the uh, Twitter comment section here, honored to be part of the poll, hashtag must have been Roycey. <laughs> uh, then someone responds back, I picked you, Cheryl, would love to drink and talk coaching philosophy with you. I have a feeling I'd need to bring my notebooks. And she said she'd enjoy that. So See, there She's you willing go. to go drinking with fans. She, she's very cool. Be fun. Zim, though, 50%. I, she's. I, I'm just scrolling out. Cheryl's interacting with people in the comments of this Twitter thread. This you is know fun. what? We should set that up. It should happen. <laughs> it pa- should. Part of the action. I don't know if we could do that on the air, but I think it we could, could be part of the charity action. I was thinking the exact For same the station. thing. John. Why not? Why not? If Cheryl is willing to, let's do it. Let's auction yeah. the experience. So we have the we have the auction, the Courage Kenny auction coming up in a couple Seven weeks. Twelfth. Yes. Let's do it. Let's. We're we're looking for some final ideas here. So. I'm sure she'd be down for it. I don't fancy. know how we phrase that, but drink a bottle of wine with exactly. Cheryl Reeve, right? Exactly. Join Mackie, Judd, and Cheryl at Name Your Establishment downtown. A couple hours, you get to share a meal, a couple bottles of wine. It'll be Let's beautiful. It. Yeah, I love right. this idea. In. It's not official yet, but we'll run it if, by the suits and we'll see what they say. If she will do it, I think it would be fantastic. Yes. Um, so I have I have another one for you here. We did we did those four coaches in that question. Same question. These five coaches. All right. All right. Or Gaffers. Who would you, you who would you want to drink with? It's on hype. Yes. And you can even rank him if you want. Yeah. Richard Patino. Yep. PJ Fleck. Yep. Paul Molitor. Yep. Don Lucia. Yep. Adrian Heath. So the other five prominent coaches. Do you want me to go five? I'll put Rick Patino in that mix too if you want. Oh no, 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 thanks. No? No, no, enough problems. Why don't you drink I up? don't know where those prostitutes came from. <laughs> Darn it. Um the top of my list for that one is so simple, it's not even funny. Adrian Heath. Yes. Yeah. By, sure. by a mile. Hundred percent. I mean, it's. it's I, you know what? I, Heath I, and then long second. Long they, second. They were doing an Adrian Heath show at. I want to say it was one of those nights at Brits, and I stuck around after. I yeah. think you were there for a while. I stuck around. Yeah. I stuck around and actually did drink with Adrian Heath for a while, and it was amazing. He just told stories for like a half hour about his career and the EPL and coaching and crazy stadiums and stuff. And it would be so fantastic. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, second on my list would probably be Paul. Would be second. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The rest was Patino and who else? Fleck, Lucia, and Rick Patino. Uh, uh, Richard Patino would be third on my list. Um, I don't think PJ P, PJ probably doesn't drink, right? I have no idea. Um, I don't think. Here's the thing with PJ. Nothing personal, but I don't think he can turn it off. So he would be last. Because I couldn't take that. It, it, the intensity would be too much. Well, that's how he is, right? Right, He's right. Like, but, there's nothing... but, but what I'm saying is, I don't 
I don't think with PJ that that he would sit down and have a glass of wine and get super relaxed. And so I think you'd be stressed the entire time. And if I'm going to drink, I want to be fun and relaxing. So if I was to do that list, um, Fleck would be last because the intensity would get to me. You guys could row a boat down a Pilsner River. Now, the Don would be fun because he can talk, you know, puck with me, and I would enjoy that. So I would put him second to last, and then I would put uh, PJ last. Dave, who would you t- your top three or four be out of Heath, that group? Heath is obviously number one. I'd like Molitor just because I'd love the old-time ball stories from his, uh, his playing days. That would be great. Number three, I don't know. It's it's an obvious one and two, and yeah. then the rest are kind. Of, like, I think Richard Patino P- would be fun. Sure, but yeah, I mean Patino's, you know, but I, I know, think I'd, I'd like Richard just so I could get a few in him and say, all right, what do you think of your former na- neighbor there, PJ? Huh? Yes, and your former boss Norwood. <laughs> yeah, that will that would be good. Did too. he ever get weird with you via text well, at midnight on a Saturday? What's if, the worst thing your dad did that we don't know? That's about? what I was gonna say. If, oh. if you if you got a bottle in with him. And you just said, okay, tell me the old, tell me stories growing up. But you're right about Fleck. I think we'd just be, you know, right, let's play beer pong. Let's play beer pong. Let's let's play flippy cup. Flippy yeah. cup. Come on, come on. Oh, God, shut up. Just let me sit here. Yeah. You know, fl- I got a deck of cards. What do you want to play? Flippy cup, I've realized, flippy cup gives me anxiety because it's, it's your turn. And if you miss a couple times, now the pressure's on. And, oh, my God, like the person across from me just hit their cup. And I've missed four times. You'd be on PJ's team. You'd lose. He'd be up. Or everyone would be upset, but he'd blame himself. PJ, I need you to put your thumb down and back away from the camera. <laughs> it's all calm down. And you're right. Flippy cup, I don't like it. Drinking games, unnecessary. Not all drinking games, but that I don't particular like one is unnecessary. Uh, we're back tomorrow. Game show Friday. Write that down. Mackie and Judd.